I want to talk about money, and I know some of you think, oh no, the pastor's going to ask for money. No, I'm just going to explain to you what God thinks about money. Uh, and this message, in fact, I'm going to let money speak for itself. So given that Jesus spoke more about money than he spoke about faith and prayer, did you know that? 11 of the 40 parables or so speak of money or the use or uses money to convey a biblical truth. So I think we need to talk about money sometimes. Okay, don't be scared. My hand isn't in your pocket. I don't want your money. But I want you to have a godly view of money. Because money, can, as we heard in that passage, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And if we let it, the love of money control us, we are going down the wrong path. Okay? So, listen, when it comes to money and giving, the church is not trying to take your money. Our God supplies all our needs and lavishly pours blessings upon all of us, even financial blessings. So in this message, I want to inspire you in your giving and generosity. God doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you to be a part of his kingdom and what he is doing. So my message is entitled, If Money Could Talk. Have you ever tried talking to money? It doesn't talk much. But if it could talk, there's a bunch of things I believe it would want to say. The first thing is this. Money would say, you don't own me, I'm only loaned to you. I heard about a father gave his little girl $2, $2 coins, said you can do anything you want with one of the dollars, but the other dollar must belong to God. So the little girl goes skipping off <coughs> to, the, <excuse me. coughs> to the lolly store. And on the way she tripped and fell and one dollar came out of her hand, rolled over and fell down a storm drain. And she said, well, Lord, there goes your dollar. Because that's what we think. No, seriously, you laugh, but that's how we think, don't we? Let's get this straight at the outset. You don't own your money. Either God owns it or it owns you. It's not my money. It's not your money. It's God's money. And you might say, hey, yeah, but I earned this. I went out by the sweat of my brow and I did lots of work to get this money. Well, you know, you might think I deserved it. I put in the hard yards. I did it. But money would actually say, hey, listen, I belong to God. Deuteronomy 8 verse 18 says this. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. That he may confirm his covenant that he swore with your fathers to this day. God gives you the power to make wealth. So be careful thinking that you do it all yourself. Okay? It's all down to him. Now some of you will think, yeah, but I've taken chances and invested. And so you have, and good for you. If you own a property in the last two years, you're a genius. If you own property, you've made 100000 200000 maybe more, doing nothing. Well done you. What a great effort. You didn't do anything. The market did it. You just hung on. Some of us are still barely hanging on, right? But we need to understand it's not... We didn't do it. It's not us. It's all down to him. We have to give glory to God because any finance we have is his, not ours. It's loaned to us. John the Baptist in John 3.27 said this, A person cannot receive even one thing unless it's given to him by heaven. So let's get this idea out of our heads that it's my money and God wants it. He doesn't need your money. It's not yours anyway. It's all his. But we must recognize that we're simply stewards of his money. And yielding a small part back to him is the least we can do. A steward doesn't own the stuff. He manages it. 
Remember the parable where, where the different amounts of talents were given to the guys? And they were required, what did you do with what I loaned you? What, how did you steward what I gave you? And of course, the last guy just said, well, I feared you, so I buried it and did nothing. And the master was displeased. He wants us to use what he's given us to his glory. Is that right? Yeah. The second thing that money would say, and this will hurt some of you, but this is what money would say if it, if it was honest, which, <laughs> which it may not be. <coughs> but if money could talk and it was honest, it would say, I am an unfaithful lover. If you love me, I will ultimately betray you. If you give everything you can to me, you will never be satisfied. J.D. Rockefeller, the richest man in the world at the time, years ago, was once asked, how much money does it, does it take to make you happy? And he said, just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. And we heard read to us before. Let me read that passage from 1 Timothy again. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. See, money is not the root of all evil. People say money is the root of all evil. No, it's not. It's neutral. Someone once accused John Wesley. They said, you've got people giving you money from, from brothels and pubs into your church. How dare you take dirty money? And John Wesley said, you give me as much dirty money as you can and I'll show you how clean we can make it. Because the money is not the problem. It's the spirit behind it. Many in church today are like the rich young ruler who say, look, I want to serve the Lord. What must I do to serve you, Lord? What must I do? And Jesus looked into his heart and he said, this one thing you do, sell everything and come and follow me. Does that mean we have to sell everything? No. What it means is he didn't have money, money had him. And many of us in the church are like that. We've worked hard, we've been responsible, and we feel like we want to hang on to what we've got. Nothing wrong with that. But if we say we want to serve the Lord at any cost and God highlights money, we need to listen to him. Because sometimes we actually love money more than Jesus. Sometimes we love our money more than godliness. It's very quiet in here. Let me make this case. It's not wrong to have money. It's not wrong to, to, to have nice things. It is wrong if money has you. That's where it turns to be wrong. So does your money control you? Does your money control you? Here's a hint. If you're not sure, oh, does money control me? I'm not really sure. Here's a hint. In the quietness of your heart, what do you think about most? Do you think about your family? Do you think about the Lord? Do you think about serving Him? Or do you think about money, investments, buying stuff? That's a good clue as to whether you have money or whether money has you. So let me ask you again, why is money so alluring? Why is, why is it so powerful and so controlling? It's not the money, the credit card, the stock or property portfolio. It's the spirit behind the money. And the spirit behind the money actually has a name. The name is Mammon. So the third thing is, my real name is <coughs> of Joshua. Back in uh, the book of Joshua, chapter 24, he says to, he's talking about demonic gods here, but it's the same thing because 
Mammon is a demonic God. He says to the people, if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river, which is Babylon, which is where Mammon comes from, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But he says this, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So no matter what's going on out there in the money world, I've made a decision, Fiona and I have made a decision, we will serve the Lord. And we're going to see how that rolls out. The question is, what do you treasure most? Your lifestyle, your money, your comforts, or serving Jesus? God has given me some money to steward. But my focus, our focus as a family, is serving Jesus. It, it, it's not on my own ends. <coughs> I'm not, <coughs> excuse me, I'm not aiming to retire and live a self-indulgent lifestyle. I'm going to serve Jesus until he returns or I die, one or the other. And I'm not going to be under the influence of some ancient deity through stuff called money. Does that mean I can't have fun? Does that mean I can't have anything nice to the church or give liberally? It means I won't let money control me. Instead, I choose to let Jesus and his message of hope control me and let him sort out the money. Does that make sense? I know it might sound foreign to some of you who are... It would say my power can be broken. The power of mammon can be broken. You don't have to be a slave to the love of and the spirit of money. And listen, it's not just rich people that love money. Let's get this one out of the way. Poor people haven't got it and they want it even more sometimes. So you can be poor and still be controlled by the same spirit. Because you, you, you're poor, all you want to do is get more money. And sometimes rich people are so generous, they're not controlled by money, but they've got it all. How does that work out? This is God's economy, it's different. But you don't have to be controlled to be a slave to the love of and the spirit behind money. I know many are driven with a, you know, a desire to do well, and I get that. And, but they're, and they're driven with a desire to gain money. And I also get that. But God has given us the means to break the power of the love of money right off us. And there's a couple of different ways you can do it. But the one I'm going to talk about is the one everyone hates. Leviticus 27 verse 30. Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord's. The concept is that the, 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 the first 10% belongs to God anyway. That's the concept. Nehemiah and others tithed but tithing was never specifically endorsed in the new testament however what jesus did say went way beyond 10 percent. it was giving way beyond the tithe okay uh, and it was definitely endorsed by jesus and paul now i'm not going to tell you you have to tithe because you don't have to do anything except uh accept jesus as your lord and savior so if you choose not to give if you choose not to tithe that's fine but what you're going to do is you're, going, you're not going to break the power of this demonic spirit off your life. And, and I reckon it's a good deal, myself, to give 10% and break the power of something off your life. I think it's a good deal. You don't have to. There's no pressure here. But I just want to share with you this concept. You can break the power of money in your life by being obedient to what the Word of God says. I choose personally to tithe. I choose to give 10% of my income into this church. But I give way more than that. I'm not going to tell you how much, but I give way more than the tithe. The tithe's just like the bottom, the bottom level, you know. I choose to give more lavishly because I'm trusting God 
to meet my needs. Luke 4, 12, Jesus said this. It is said you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So in, in anything, most of the way through the Bible, the Bible says do not test the Lord your God. Do not test him. Do not test him. But there's one area in the book of Malachi where God says, all right, test me. I went, show, show me the docket. Who paid for that, you know? But that's the concept, right? God gives you all this blessing and then we get upset if he wants a little bit back. Think about chips, guys. Think about chips. Jesus said, do not test the Lord God, your God, but there was one exception. Malachi 3 verse 10. Listen to what God says this. This is from the book of Malachi. It's the last book of the Old Testament. So yes, it's still Old Testament, but I believe it still applies. Listen to what he says. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. Put me to the test. Check me out. You've got my permission to check me out on this. There are people in our church who are saved today because they chose to tithe and went, oh my gosh, it works. Put me to the test, says the Lord. And then he says this, need. Am I preaching give to get? No, I'm preaching give to trust. So why this area? Why tithing? Because tithing is committing to honor the Lord by giving 10% of your income. And most importantly, it breaks the power of that spirit thing on your life. That's what it's about. If you want to be truly free from the love of money, giving what, God, what is God's anyway back to him will break the power of the demonic spirit of mammon in your life. So people say to me, is that 10... I'm being quite frank here this morning. I hope you don't mind that. People ask me, is it 10% before or after tax? My reply is, that's the wrong question. Because what that question is saying, can I give the bottom amount or the top amount before or after tax? I don't care. It's between you and God. Who cares if it's before or after tax? I believe it should be before... Ta- I, I believe it should be before everything. I believe it should be the first thing that comes out of our income should be giving to God. That's what I believe. And a tithe, you know, the question of before or after tax is meaningless. Sort it out with God. But I'm telling you, if you trust him, he will never let you down. That is my experience. The fifth thing that money would say is that I'm a boomerang. Giving does not deplete your resources. You see, that's what we think. Well, if I give stuff away, I won't have it and therefore my resources will be depleted. And I know on the surface that makes sense, but spiritually it's the exact reverse. If you give, God has a way of meeting your needs that will be supernatural. I'm telling you this because I've experienced it time and time and time again. At some of our darkest hours, I remember one time things were so grim for us early on. uh, We had three kids... And uh, we could not afford meat. We just ate vegetables. Now, I know some of you do that by choice. I do not. You know, I, I think, I, you know, anyway, I won't talk about vegans, but, you know, those of you who are vegans, lift your hand up. Oh, God, I no energy. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. It's going to offend somebody. Anyway, but we, we couldn't afford meat, so we were just having vegetables. And, and, um, and that's fine, you know, for a while. But we were praying. We had no money, but we continued to give. We continued to have a giving spirit. And we continued to give above and beyond 
our tithe because that was our practice and we kept trusting God. And I still remember one day we woke up, opened the front door and there was a massive big meat tray on our front door. See, God does this stuff. It's supernatural and I love it. And when, when God starts doing it, you kind of can't get enough. You want to trust him more because he just keeps coming through miraculously. We've proven it time and time again. God is more generous than you. You can't outgive God. I heard about a woman who was giving a lot of money to the church and her, hus- <coughs> her husband came to her and said, stop giving money to the church. You're gonna, we're going to be on the streets homeless if you give money to the church this much. Well, she disappeared for a few hours. Came back, he said, where he himself will be watered. You cannot outgive God. Some say they are strapped for cash this morning. I understand that. And some would say, some would say I, I have so little money I can't afford to tithe. I'll tell you, when we lost everything uh, 12 or 13 years ago, we lost everything uh, in an investment collapse, uh, all of our income, all of our investment properties, everything else. We lost our family home. But through it all, we never stopped giving because we could not afford not to give, even in our darkest hour. I believe if you're strapped for cash, you are in a perfect spot this morning because, because you got the chance to step out in faith and watch God supernaturally provide for you. I'm challenging you this morning. If you're tight for money, trust God. He's never let me down. And I don't believe in the give to get thing. Please understand, this is not a prosperity gospel. I'm not saying if you call our 1-800 number and give, God will give you a new Tesla. He's not going to do that, Right? I, believe, I don't believe in give to get. I believe in give to trust. You know, people say, well, if you've got a financial need in your life, give me all your money. No. Give God your money every day, all day. Be generous in spirit and watch him provide for you. Stop dictating to God what he needs to do. Just trust him. Because I've seen it time. This church has seen it time and again. If you do... 101, if you're new here, please come and do 101 after the service because you hear some of the stories of how God has miraculously provided hundreds of thousands of dollars for our church. Miraculously. And I love that. Proverbs 3 verses 9 to 10 says this. <coughs> honor the Lord. Sorry, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled to plenty and your vats will be bursting with new wine. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits. That's why we're having a first fruits offering. I don't give him what's left at the end. I give him first. And I trust him for everything else. When Fiona and I lost everything 12 years ago or so, including our family home, we could have, the first decision we faced was, do we keep pouring into Lily House? And we could have given up on it right then, couldn't we? We could have said, okay, times are bad. We don't need to start, we don't need to be so generous. We need to just pull in and just, you know, batten down the hatches and try and get it right. But we had a, a discussion, sought the Lord, and we made a conscious decision, even in our poverty at the time, and it was extreme. Really, at the time, it was quite terrifying looking back at it. Even in our poverty, we made a decision to bring you joy. If money was being honest, it would Step one, give everything to Him. All to Jesus, I surrender. Offering plates deep inside the offering plate she pulled his hand what are you doing thinking he was going to take money out of the offering plate because <coughs> if you know franklin that'd be right on par at the time when he was a boy she chastened him and he said but mum i'm just putting my 10 cents under someone else's dollar 
And many of us are like that. We want to be seen to be generous without expending too much. But money says, I am a test of character. And many people fail the test. Many people, you look on the news and you see people who are caught in this providing supernaturally. Proverbs 22 verse 1 says, A good name... <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> a good name is to be chosen. God put his finger on something in her life. I, I will tell him what it is. It was chocolate. And, and, and said, said, I want you to go off chocolate. I want you to give up chocolate for me. He really spoke to her clearly about this. And she said, but Lord, it's just saying this because I'm not officially supposed to say anything about money, but I don't care. This is my experience. You take what you want. Um, I have a hierarchy set up for our finances in my head. God first, then bills, including tax, because yes, we have to pay tax. Mark 12, 17, Jesus said to them, render unto Caesars with the things that are Caesars and to God the things that are God's. So Caesar wants his money from sometimes. So God first, then bills, including tax, then savings. Okay, even if it's only 10%, we want to put a little bit aside for savings. And then finally, spending. Now, most people do the opposite. They spend first, and then they, 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 uh, they, they uh, pay the bills if they can, and then they have nothing left and God, for savings is, is a joke, and then nothing left for God is a distant last. It's the complete opposite. I want to encourage you to switch that around because if you put God first, supernaturally stuff will make sense. Do you get everything you want? No. Do you need everything you want? No. You know, like, like you might like to have takeaway, but you don't need it every night. There are other ways that you can eat. Proverbs 3, 9 to 10. I'll get back to this. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your produce. So I want to encourage you, if you are not giving, if you're not tithing, if your finances are in disarray, start by giving the first bit to God. If you can't manage 10%, manage 2%. I don't care. It's just between you and God. But give him first fruits. Let him have it first. You know, it, it says to him that you love him. It says to him that you're putting him first. And if you put God first, start with your bank account. My testimony is that he will never let you down. Even in our darkest days, we have trusted God and he's come through. So my secret wealth strategy is this. Honor God. Give first to God. Give generously. Give often and give more than is comfortable. And then trust God for, for the results. That's my strategy. That's my thoughts. When I first became the pastor of this church, a little bit of history for you here. Some of you were here and would remember this. We had about 40 people and we realized pretty soon on that we had to buy the property out of Pine Grove Road uh, or the Uniting Church very lovingly and caringly would bankrupt us. They told us that. Hey, can you cut us some slack? No, we're going to bankrupt you. Okay, duly noted. So we, we, we moved forward and we realized we had about 40 people in the church and we needed to raise a quarter of a million dollars in nine months. And it was quite daunting. Who would find that daunting? I found that daunting and said, I want you to double it. I said, that's not fair. He said, I'm not here to be fair. He said, I want you to double it. And I thought, and we decided to do that. We had to draw money from every which way, down from accounts and everything else. But I had to be, if I'm not faithful as your leader, how are we going to get anywhere? So that's what we did. And we saw it 
in obedience, we did that. And God did it. And he raised a quarter of a million dollars from 40 or 50 people at the time in nine months. It was a miracle. And I remember we were 10 grand short on the day that it was due. And uh, I said, I cannot believe. Spirit's way beyond that. But it's a law. And, and, and so are you, are you tithing? You're saying, well, God says I've got to give 10%, so I'd better do it lest he zaps me and takes all my money. So I better do it. And you're fearful and you're operating under law because it is a law. Not all laws are bad, but it's a law nonetheless. So are you tipping? Are you tithing reluctantly? Remember, God loves a cheerful giver. There you go, God. Hope you like it. I heard about a guy who started tithing. He was only earning $400 a week, so he thought, I'll tithe $40 to the church. And God prospered him. After a while, he came to the pastor. He said, Pastor, you have to pray for me. I can't tithe anymore. I now earn more than $10,000 a week. And $1,000 is just too much. I can't. Would you please pray for me to get out of this covenant? So the pastor prayed silently, and the man became agitated. He said, are you praying to let me out of tithing? The pastor said, no, I'm praying that the Lord drops your income back to a level where you can tithe. Ouch. But see, tithing is just, it's, it, it's under law. But God's grace, in my Bible, says exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. As I said, my, my tithing's the bare minimum for me. I love giving over and above my tithe. So are you tipping God? Are you tithing to God? Or are you, as you're pressed down, shaking together, running over? I'm up for that. Anybody up for that? Do you want such super abundance that you don't know what to do with it? I love that. I'm up for that. But how, you, how are you measuring it to Jesus? How are you up its good soil? But what, what did Jesus say? With the measure you use, it's given back to you. So how much are you prepared to give? I've got a teaspoon. Here you go, Lord, teaspoon. And he's going with a teaspoon. There you go, Darren. Fantastic. Well, Lord, I've got a coffee cup here. There you go, Lord. Beauty. Comes back in coffee cup full. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Well, I, I think I'll get a barrel. There you go, Lord. Barrel comes back to you. I want to be the guy who backs up in a dump truck. Because what does the Bible say? With the measure you use, it's measured back. I just want to trust God. If I back a dump truck in there and say, there you go, Lord, then I'm, I'm going to trust him that he's going to meet all of my needs. And he does. If money could talk, it would admit it secretly wants to control you. If money could listen, then I would tell it to shut up and fall in line with the promise. If you are financially strapped right now, you are in the best place because you've got the chance to trust God. If you're well-to-do and comfortable, God bless you. But some of you here are struggling. Many of us here are struggling. Raised interest rates and everything. We look at it we get worried. I'm telling you, this is the greatest opportunity you have to actually trust God and say, Lord, have your way. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to keep a generous spirit. Now this week, you've been given a little envelope. I'm going to ask you to pray about how much God wants you to give in our first fruits offering for the financial year. I'm not going to be checking. I'm not going to have little cameras in here to see how much you put in. There are cameras. They're not pointed at you. Right? I don't, I don't care how much you put in. It doesn't worry me. This is between you and God. But if you are generous, God promises he will pour it out upon you. His blessing. He promises he will take care of you if you trust him in this area. 
You can break the power of mammon, that spirit behind it. I'm not checking. I just want you to experience the joy of sowing into good soil. And this is good soil. I'm going to believe with you that God will abundantly and lavishly honor your trust in him by supernaturally providing for you. I was away uh, in Fiji with a, 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 a quite well-known Christian singer called Pat Morgan. She's an Aboriginal lady from Townsville, very good friend of mine. And I was sharing what I was preaching on this week with her, and she said, can I tell you my story? And, and I've got permission to use this. This is how God works, okay? I, he doesn't always work this way. This is just an example. Now, she's a very lovely lady. She's a widow. She's a single... Uh, she's uh, obviously older now, but she's a single woman on a pension. And she moved to Townsville. And she told me this is, this is her challenging story and what she did with it, right? She was challenged to give until it hurts. One time they had, a, had an offering in a church and she felt the Lord saying, give and give and give. And she gave as much as she possibly could, right up to the, to the level. And she said it was really hard. But she said, I just did it and I, I just felt to trust God. And God said, test me in this and, and see if I do not open the floodgates of heaven. Anyway, she went away a lot, you know, a lot poorer, if you like, because she gave, but richer in spirit because she was trusting God. And this is what happened. Her landlord came to her the next week and lowered her rent by $50 a week. Now that's a miracle. And it persists to this day seven days later. So, sorry, seven years later, sorry, thank you. Seven years, seven days later, that would be a typical landlord. Um, seven years later, he hasn't raised the... It's gone up, obviously, with market, but it's been $50 under what it should be. And I said, Pat, do you, I don't know how, how much you gave, but to, according to my calculations, uh, 7 by 52 by $50 is $18,200. Came back to you because you gave. That's her testimony. And I tell you, I support that because I've seen it time and time again. So I want to encourage you. I know many of you, many of us, I include myself in this because we have loans and repayments. We're financially hurting. But I think if we bring this to the Lord and we say, Lord, we give it all to you, have your way. And if we have a generous spirit and we break the power of money in our life, I believe God supernaturally will do something awesome. Can you believe for me with that? Why don't you bow your head? Now, there is no shame in struggling financially. I know some of you have businesses that have been hard hit. Some of you have uh, rental situations that have drained you, that have bled you dry. So there's no shame in, in having financial struggles. Boy, we've had a few through the years. But I want to challenge you now. If you are facing a financial challenge right now, I'm going to pray and believe for God to deliver you and to bless you so that you can triumph in that challenge. I want to hear testimonies of God supernaturally doing awesome things that meet our financial needs. And God has done it to us so, done to me personally and to this church so often. He has restored and prospered us time and time again. And we are going to give next week, Fiona and I personally are going to give lavishly again because we believe in what God's doing here. And because I want to trust God and because God loves a cheerful giver. So just have your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I want to challenge you in your heart. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what finances you face. But if you are facing a financial challenge right now that seems overwhelming, maybe that's scary, maybe that's, that's difficult, maybe there seems there's no way out, you're just digging further in. 
wherever you are in this auditorium and at home online, I want you to stand wherever you are. There's no shame in this, but I, I want to deal with people who are really struggling right now. So wherever you are, if God's speaking to you, just stand up wherever you are. We've got the most prosperous church in the world. No one's standing. There's a few standing. Come on. Seek, seek the Lord right now. If you're financially blessed and prosperous, good for you. But if you're really struggling at the moment, I believe God's got something special for you this morning. We're going to pray and we're going to believe for the Lord to release finances in your life. He would say, the final thing money would say is it's not even about me. It's about trust. It's not about the money. It's about the trust. Lord, you see those who are standing here. And Father, I believe that you are speaking to our hearts as a church. That even though we struggle and we fear when we look at our finances, Father, I pray that supernaturally you would work miracles in the lives of those who have been brave enough to stand Amen. and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you no matter what. Even if the finances are grim, even if stuff is tight, I'm still going to be generous and honor you with the first fruits of my life, Lord God. So if that's you, if you're struggling with this right now, I want you to challenge and say, Lord, have your way. And I promise that I will have a generous spirit, that I will give where you direct me to give and the amount that you ask me to give. And I look forward to seeing your prosperity in my life in the name of Jesus.